Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number is 877 So I'm inundated today with comments about John Stewart. Emails, texts, it's all over the internet. Hey, did you hear what John Stewart had to say? No, not really. No, no, no. He was on Stephen Colbert's show. I know it's Colbert. I call him Colbert just to annoy the fool. Well, he's making the case that, that the virus came from the Wuhan lab and, and Stephen Colbert doesn't like it and it's really, it's really good. Okay, got it. And I listened to it, it really was good. It was very good. Hey, last week, did you hear what Bill Maher said? No, I didn't hear what Bill Maher said. Oh yeah, it was really good what he said about going to college. It was really, and it was really good. Okay, very good. Now what? What does it mean? You know, Rush used to say, he was so right on, why do we need liberals or even leftists to validate our principles? Why do we get so excited when one out of a hundred or one out of a thousand times they say something that we agree with? Maybe it's because people are in love with Hollywood or television or the movie. I don't know, to be perfectly honest with you. I was spending almost the entire day having to get a new car because my other car, as you know, was totaled. But this this seems to be, you know, my email box. It's, hey, did you hear what he said? I don't care what they said. That is, it's interesting in and of itself. And I've played George Carlin here on the environment. 
And I've played that not because George Carlin was a liberal, which he was, but because he made a lot of sense on the topic. He made a lot of sense. And it's entertaining. But let's, let's put this in some kind of context. Revolutions are not launched by the majority. I can't think of one. The American Revolution, historians estimate, one-third of the colonists supported it, one-third were neutral, and one-third opposed. You aware of that? Give or take. Revolutions are not a majoritarian exercise. Quite the contrary. Not a matter of winning over a majority of the people. Now, elections in certain circumstances, usually, of course. I'm not talking about elections. We're talking about controlling institutions, controlling the narrative, and launching and controlling revolutions. Revolutions are launched by a minority. Whether it was Mao in China, Lenin in Russia, Castro in Cuba, and on and on and on. Hitler in Germany. These weren't majority parties, let alone a majority of the population. Now eventually the majority, most of the population, was controlled by the minority. But Marxism isn't about a majoritarian ideology. Fascism isn't about a majoritarian ideology. And yet that's what we're fighting in this country right now. That's what we're fighting. We're not going to win over everybody, anything close to everybody. But we at least need to make a stand For the one-third or the 40% of the American people with whom we agree and who agree with us, we're not even doing that. Which is my point. Now let's take a look at two revolutions. Am I already boring everybody, Mr. Producer? I hope not. Let's take a look at the American Revolution and the French Revolution. Comparable period of time. Huge difference between the revolutions. The American Revolution wasn't a revolution about the civil society or the culture. The American Revolution was about liberty and representative government. The American Revolution was about a governing system, a political system. Because Britain was smothering the colonies, the colonial governments, and so forth, among other things, in America. Now, the French Revolution was an utterly and completely different kind of revolution. It was a cultural revolution. It was a revolution against the civil society. It was a revolution to turn everything inside out and upside down. To destroy what had been. And to replace it. And it was a brutally vicious and bloody revolution. Really a precursor to a Marxist revolution, if you will. But it was about 
settling scores. It was about imposing quote-unquote values and principles. It was based mostly on Rousseau, who we've talked about here many times. That's not the case with the American Revolution. At all. Neither revolution involved a majority of the population in terms of supporting the revolution. But one of the revolutions was focused more on the governing system and freedom. The other revolution was focused almost exclusively on not only taking out the monarchy, but destroying everything that came before. A clean slate, as Rousseau would say. So situations involve different kinds of reactions. Now what's Marxism? What is Marxism about? Is it about governing systems? Is it about the civil society, the culture, politics? What is Marxism about? Marxism is about control and power. Centralized, destroying individual initiative and everything that comes with it, the nature of man. There's no clear distinction in Marxism between the civil society and politics. They're all fused together if you read enough of Marx's writings, including the Communist Manifesto. And yet when Mao picked it up, he had what? A cultural revolution. But Lenin didn't have a cultural revolution. He had more of a governing revolution. I'm making a point in a second. Maybe I'm an outlier. It's possible. Based on all these emails and information I was getting today, like, geez, what's going on out there? A couple of comedians. No, 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 you don't understand, Mark. You don't understand. I don't understand, I guess. The problem, ladies and gentlemen, isn't one of definition, in my view. The problem is one of control. We can go all the way back to liberty and tyranny. All the way back to liberty and tyranny. A conservative manifesto. Page 195. The conservative must become more engaged in public matters. It is in his nature to live and let live, to attend to his family, to volunteer time with his church and synagogue, and to quietly assist a friend, a neighbor, or even a stranger. These are certainly admirable qualities that contribute to the overall health of the community. But it's no longer enough. The statist's counter-revolution has turned the instrumentalities of public affairs and public governance against the civil society. The status counter-revolution has turned the instrumentalities of public affairs and public governance against the civil society. They can no longer be left to the devices of the status, which is largely the case today. Okay, so what do we do about it? Back then, 12 and a half years ago, this will require a new generation of conservative activists, larger in number, shrewder, more articulate than before, who seek to blunt the status counter-revolution, not imitate it, and gradually and steadily reverse course. More conservatives than before will need to seek elective and appointed office, fill the ranks of the administrative state, hold teaching positions in public schools and universities, 
and find positions in Hollywood and the media where they can make a difference in infinite ways. So in other words, we, those who believe in liberty and this country, we need to secrete ourselves in various levels of government, various levels of society, various levels of the culture, which we've abandoned. The status does not have a birthright ownership to these institutions. The conservative must fight for them, mold them, where appropriate, eliminate them, where they're destructive to the preservation and improvement of the civil society. And I go on, where we need to educate our children and our grandchildren. We're an army of tens of millions. We have more access to our children than the public school systems. And what else? Education. Is education a matter of civil society? Politics? Culture? It doesn't matter. It underlays everything. And education should not stop at the front door, I pointed out. We the people are a vast army of educators and communicators. So when the occasion arises in conversations with neighbors, friends, and co-workers and others... Take the time to explain conservative principles and their value to the individual, family, and society generally. Conservatives should not ignore the media, Hollywood, government, schools, and universities. But they should not be the primary sources of information that shape the conservatives' worldview, and I go on and on. So where are we? What does all this mean? Now, what's interesting to me is we talk about your typical liberals. People want to talk about Marr. They want to talk about Stewart based on the emails I've gotten. Are not liberals of this ilk, and not just them, whether in Hollywood, whether in the Democrat Party, whether in the media, whether in our governing systems, are they not largely responsible for where we are today? That is, have they not helped pave the path to Marxism in this country? 45% of the Democrat primary voters when Hillary Clinton was running voted for Bernie Sanders for president as the nominee of the Democrat Party. 45%. Most of them wouldn't view themselves personally as Marxists, just as liberals. So it is the liberal the old-time liberal, who may now, from time to time, be repulsed by these American Marxists and their extremism, who laid the groundwork for American Marxism. And they're doing it today. If you look at the halls of Congress, Schumer, with Bernie Sanders and others, Pelosi, with Omar and AOC and Talib and so forth, We cannot expect, we cannot expect these individuals, wherever they are, whatever their walk of life, to help quell what they've helped to create. So what is it about activism? We have got to get into these institutions, as I wrote years ago. We have got to become the teachers, the producers, the directors. We have got to find ways to get involved in governance and society and culture that we have 
been very timid about in the past. But that's just the beginning. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 through charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The entire reason, you know, when you sit down to write a book, you have to have a reason, don't you? And the public is smart. You're smart. You know if somebody's writing a book just to promote themselves or promote whatever. I sat down, I was saying, we need to better understand the enemy here. We better start using the right language, understand where the enemy comes from. Because any military operation, let alone a political operation, you cannot defeat the enemy unless you know the enemy. Now, I've talked about this now for two and a half months. For two and a half months. That is the purpose of this book. And then, to explain what we must do about this, in my view, and then we will elicit many ideas. We're going to make this a partnership, but still, the end has multiple ideas. I can't rely on John Stewart and Bill Maher, or the next one who pops up. I have no problem with it. I'm glad they're talking. They're entertaining. They're interesting. But that's not going to fix a damn thing. We have to do it ourselves. We do. And there's enough of us. And you can already see it starting. There's tens of millions of us. And if we want to influence people, influence our children and grandchildren. Influence our co-workers. Influence our colleagues. Influence our neighbors. There's many people out there who we can influence. who are open to our debate. Open to our discussion. But we haven't talked to them. They're sitting on the fence. But we're not going to be able to influence Marxists. They must be defeated. They must be crushed. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. 
Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So you won't find any conservatives celebrated by the left, whether it's the liberal left or the Marxist left or any of the left. Not one. Because they are self-righteous, they are focused, they are ideological, and they are on the move. As I said, if we can talk to each other, influence our family members, our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues, our co-workers, we have an army of tens of millions. They don't have a majority. We may not get a majority. It's okay. We didn't have a majority during the American Revolution. It's okay. But we have to make sure that we, who do understand what's taking place, that we do what we can do. That's the whole point of American Marxism. It's enough is enough. Let's stop pretending these people are quote-unquote liberals or quote-unquote democratic socialists or quote-unquote community activists or quote-unquote social activists. We must not allow them to define themselves and to define us. Certainly not among us, ourselves. So who are these people? What are their backgrounds? Who are they learning from? And then we need to unravel it, untangle it, confront it, and defeat it. It's no simple task, but you have to begin somewhere. And I think that's why this book, American Marxism, and the pre-orders is so significant right now. Because you're chomping at the bit. And I'm chomping at the bit to engage you in this. And that's what we're going to do. Now, Merrick Garland, I told you Merrick Garland the other day, is truly a radical. He was dressed in judicial robes, and now he's out of the closet. And I want, to list, I want you to listen to what he had to say today, uh, and uh, let's, let's analyze this. It's very important. At the Department of Justice, cut one, go. Our intelligence and law enforcement agencies undertook that assessment in the first several weeks of this administration. In March, they concluded that domestic violent extremists posed an elevated threat to the homeland in 2021. Our experience on the ground confirms this. The number of open FBI domestic terrorism investigations this year has increased significantly. According to an unclassified summary of the March intelligence assessment, the two most lethal elements of the domestic violence extremist threat are racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists and militia violent extremists. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. Now, let's, let's break this down. 
Let's break this down. And I've told you this before. It may surprise some of you. The, th- the greatest threats that I've received to my safety is from uh, white supremacists, neo-Nazis, because I'm Jewish. But I can't project that onto the entire society, and I don't. If this is true, if what Garland and the FBI are saying is true, that the greatest domestic threat that we face is from those who advocate for the superiority of the white race, then I have a question I want to pose. Does that not underscore and provide exclamation marks behind the utter and complete irresponsibility of Joe Biden and Merrick Garland and all the rest, of talking about a white supremacist society, a white-dominated society, as if all white people are advocating for the superiority of the white race? Does it not make it more crucial and essential that when Joe Biden and Merrick Garland and the others are speaking, that they're very clear about who they're identifying, so there's no ambiguity whatsoever? If it's the Klan and the neo-Nazis and white militia groups, then say so. But you don't talk about over 60% of the American population in the same terms that you talk about neo-Nazis, Klansmen, and militia groups. Do you? So this demonstrates in a big way how outrageous it is to trash people based on their race. Tens of millions of people. Well, more than that. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost 200 million people. Unbelievable. Particularly that he says this. What he should be saying is we're not talking about Caucasians generally. We're talking about these groups and be very specific, but they're not. So they mix politics with law enforcement. And then they project these, these nut jobs, these vi- potentially violent nut jobs, who advocate for the superiority of the white race onto the entire white population. That's number one. Number two, this is a very carefully read statement. It's not to the very end that he mentions that it's specifically those who advocated for the superiority of the white race. Are there other militia, potentially violent, terrorist domestic groups who are demanding and are prepared to undertake violent actions based on race? The answer is yes. But he doesn't tell us about that. We know the answer is yes because we saw it all summer long with Black Lives Matter. Cut two, go. The March assessment concluded that the, that the militia violent extremist threat, which is describes as those who, quote, take overt steps to violently resist or facilitate the overthrow of the United States government in support of their belief that the United States government is purportedly exceeding its constitutional authority, also increased last year and will almost cer- certainly continue to be elevated throughout 2021. Now let's stop there a second. Those who, quote, take overt steps to violently resist or overthrow the United States government in support of their belief that the United States government is purportedly exceeding its constitutional authority. 
Wouldn't that include Marxist organizations? Who don't even care about the constitutional authority. They just want to overthrow. Wouldn't that include the ideology that we've been talking about? Critical race theory and other critical theories, not just critical race theory. Who insist on overthrowing our government? Who are promoting Marxism from the classrooms and beyond? And what you're going to see when you read American Marxism is we have professors, specifically, who are indoctrinating kids on violently overthrowing the United States government. They are tenured. They're on the public payroll. They are, quote-unquote, scholars. They are celebrated. And you're going to meet some of them. Do they count too? Do they count too? Now this certainly isn't a defense of these white racists. But it is shocking to me that the Democrat Party uses this propaganda and this race attack on 60% of the American people. Over 60% of the American people who are white. Throw them all in the same barrel. Go ahead. Particularly concerning is the March assessment's observation that the threat from lone offenders or small cells poses significant detection and disruption challenges because of those actors' capacity for independent radicalization to violence, ability to mobilize discreetly, and access to firearms. The domestic violent extremist threat is also rapidly evolving. You see, and part of the problem is the complete lack of trust I and others have for a man like this in this administration, based on their outrageous racist rhetoric. And when they, when they talk about Republicans, when they talk about mostly peaceful protesters, when they talk about Trump supporters, and try and link them all together. And then they try and attack the Second Amendment. They're trying to attack it by uh, cobbling together potential litigation against manufacturers of weapons and, uh, and ammunition. They want to increase massively taxes on weapons to make it impossible for average citizens, particularly poor citizens, to have access to weapons. Their constant war on the Second Amendment. And so, in many ways, they've lost the faith of tens of millions of, the, of American people who listen to this. Cut, uh, cut three, please, go. We are focused on violence, not on ideology. In America, espousing a hateful ideology is not unlawful. We do not investigate individuals for their First Amendment, amendment protected. But yes, you do. Why are you lying? You go on the internet, you look at Facebook, you look at Twitter, you look at Parler, you look at anything you can get your hands on. Yes, you do, and many of these gun control laws that you're promoting uh, create these prerequisites for people who say certain things or write certain things. And by the way, that's not 100% out of bounds under certain conditions either. But you do not investigate individuals for their First Amendment protected activities? Surely you do. But there are certain individuals you investigate 
and certain individuals you don't investigate. That's why I did a whole Sunday show on January 6th and the other events that took place in, in the summer of uh, 2020. The disparate treatment of American citizens. And that's why I specifically stated on that program on Fox, if there were white supremacists, such as Klansmen, neo-Nazis, and so forth, who were in that building on January 6th, then tell us who they were. What's the secret? All trials are supposed to be public. All charges are supposed to be public. We don't have star chambers in this country, and this judge should know it. So who are they? Instead, they, they bring the entire hundreds and hundreds of thousands of protesters. They bring an entire race of people. Where are the specifics? I'm sure they have them. Why don't they present them? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Terry McCullough. Terry McCullough won the governorship last time by a hair. Because the Republican National Committee refused to give the kind of support it should have to Ken Cuccinelli, who would have been the governor if they had bothered to lift a finger. But instead, they were over there helping, helping uh, what's his name, Christie, the Cape Cod Orca. Well, he's not the Cape Cod, the Cape May Orca, may I say, respectfully. Although he has said some good things lately. Maybe I ought to stop that. Maybe I ought to watch him for a while. What do you think, Mr. Producer? All right, I'll hold off for a while. Terry McAuliffe says concerns about critical race theory are a right-wing conspiracy theory, ladies and gentlemen. Because he's one of the stupidest human beings to crawl on the face of the earth. PJ Media points out the Virginia Democrat nominee for governor, by the way, was already governor. governor. He was lousy. He doesn't think much of the critical race theory criticism. In fact, he thinks it's a right-wing conspiracy. All you parents out there... Terry McAuliffe has no problem with critical race theory. Now, this is amazing since he's a white man, a white man who didn't want a black person to win the Democrat primary to run for governor. 
Fox News obtained audio that revealed McCullough's fear of the issue doing damage to his chances of winning. By trying to dismiss criticism of critical race theory as a conspiracy theory, he's trying to delegitimize his critics while downplaying the significance of critical race theory. Delegitimizing his critics. So the parents and taxpayers of Virginia need to understand something. This man is going to support critical race theory. He's going to support the indoctrination of your children into an openly racist ideology. He's going to destroy your classrooms. And he wants to be your governor. A woman had asked him at a June 4 event, I was just wondering with all the Republicans talking about critical race theory, and they're making this huge deal about it, and it's all the conversation with the news in Virginia. What are you going to say to all these people making education uh, about that? That's another right-wing conspiracy. This is totally made up by Donald Trump and Glenn Youngkin. This is who they are. It's a conspiracy theory. What a dumbass, this Terry McCullough. Conspiracy theory? Invite this jerk on my program, will you, Mr. Producer? We are the biggest radio station in the state of Virginia. Come on the program, tough guy. Let's have a discussion about classrooms, teachers, little kids, and critical race theory. Yeah, right. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I saw something interesting. The American Thinker website, Tom Lifson's site. He writes, thanks to Don Serber, who's a great guy, I learned of a proposal from the Nevada Family Alliance to require teachers at government schools to wear body cameras. Did you hear this, Mr. Producer? If this does not strike you immediately as absolutely necessary, take a look at this recording, and they give examples of a number of teachers who are saying things in classrooms that they know they can get away with because they're not being recorded. I actually think this is a brilliant idea, but I would amend it slightly. Why have body cameras? Every classroom should have a camera. Now, you know, this is the kind of -of out-of-the-box thinking that is very, very important. This is the kind of going-on-offense tactic That really is a game changer. Parents have every right to know what their children are being taught. It shouldn't be guesswork. Taxpayers have every right to know what's going on in the classrooms that they're paying for. We taxpayers, parents or otherwise, are paying for everything related to the government schools. They're government schools. Public schools. Now, in many cases, we have cameras in the classroom, excuse me, cameras in the courtroom, not all, but many, to see what's taking place in the courtroom. Courtrooms are supposed to be public. We don't have secret trials in this country. Well, why do we have secret classrooms in this country? Why do we have secret classrooms in this country? So I would recommend to the parents' organizations in Loudoun County and other counties in this country 
You should take up this cause. You want to know. We want to know. We, the people. What's being taught in these classrooms? We shouldn't have to guess. We shouldn't have to de- be debriefed by our, by our six and seven and eight-year-olds. Moreover, the administrators and the teachers shouldn't be worried about it. In fact, I would argue, much like with body cameras for cops, as people have argued, it'll help protect the teachers from allegations. All kinds of allegations. About ideological teachings, about rudeness in class, about certain kids that are misbehaving and had to be removed and so forth. This is a fantastic idea. Again, I wouldn't have body cameras, but I would have a camera in the classroom. So that parents and taxpayers know what's going on in these classrooms. Now, I know some of you are patriotic teachers out there, and you're saying, well, gee, camera, you have nothing to worry about. If you play it straight and you teach math like math and science like science and history and and so forth like history, you've got nothing to worry about. But if you're pushing racism, if you're pushing ideology, if you're pushing politics, then you do have everything to worry about. This should be a cause. I didn't think of it. I just read it here in the American Thinker, and I'm just amending the suggestion. I I happen to think the Nevada Family Alliance is right on. Absolutely right on. The UK Daily Mail explains the body cam initiative coming out of Washoe County. That's the Reno area, Nevada. The group is pushing for teachers to wear body cameras in the classroom to make sure they aren't teaching critical race theories in schools and indoctrinating students. The proposal came from the Nevada Family Alliance, a group that describes itself as a watchdog organization. At a Washoe County school board meeting this week, It is in response to a plan from the school district, which includes the cities of Reno and Sparks, to expand K-5 through curriculum and teach more about equity, diversity, and racism. K-5. through The Alliance's suggestion for teachers to wear body cameras followed frustration from parents about the lack of transparency by teachers promoting a social justice narrative. This has got to come to an end. So there ought to be cameras in the classrooms. That should be the phrase. That should be the bumper stickers. Cameras in the classrooms. So we can know what it is our little kids are being taught. In our schools, where we pay for everything. Everything in that school. The facility, the salaries and pensions and eyeglasses. I was getting eyeglasses the other day. And there was a woman there who worked for the Loudoun County uh, school system, teacher. They were paying for everything. We, the taxpayer, everything. I'm shelling out money hand over fist. And so, yes, we have a right to know where our money's going, and we have a right to know what's happening to our kids. And every damn school board meeting, this should be a demand. We want cameras in the classroom. You've nothing to hide. We have cameras on cops. We have cameras in courtrooms, some places, many places, and we want cameras in the classrooms. Just because the NEA and the AFT don't, 
It's enough, ladies and gentlemen. We have to bust up these monopolies now. And those who are running for school boards, this should be one of your one of your campaign promises. Cameras in the classrooms. I don't see a single reason why this shouldn't occur. Those classrooms, and no offense, don't exist for the teacher. And if you're really a good teacher, it'll become apparent. It'll become apparent from the from the cameras in the classroom. Now, if you're a really lousy teacher or you're an ideologue, that'll become apparent too. And, of course, the unions won't like that. Who cares what the unions like and don't like? We pay them too through their teachers. We pay for everything. And taxpayers who aren't parents need to join with parents who are taxpayers and make these demands. Perfectly reasonable, rational demands. Brilliant idea by the Nevada Family Alliance that ought, to, that ought to take off like a brush fire across the nation. The founder of the group is Karen England. She said creating a record that could be viewed by appropriate parties if necessary might be the best way to urge teachers to stick to traditional teaching. We expect that the teachers' unions will reject this proposal immediately, but we should ask, what do they have to hide? And we should also ask, who gives that flying you-know-what? Unless they want to take over for the taxpayer and pay for everything, which of course they don't. So I think this is an excellent idea. Don Serber makes an essential point about why we need body cams. There are nearly 3 million teachers in America, he says. We should not have to rely on kids taking videos in class to hold millions of teachers accountable. But really, many teachers won't feel that they're being held accountable. Many, people, many teachers will feel relieved, I think, to be perfectly honest. Relieved. Because the unions, you know, impose enormous pressure on teachers that don't, that don't get in line. And this way, these teachers can show through their professionalism, through what they're doing in the classroom. I'm not pushing that crap. I'm teaching what I'm supposed to teach. What a fantastic idea. Again, I don't think we need body cameras. I think we need a camera in every classroom. I think it's easier to make that demand. I'm fully behind it. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, 
you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I mentioned my friend uh, Zudi Jasser the other day. He's president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. Zudi, it's been a while. How are you, sir? It's great to be back with you, Mark. Uh, brother, how are you? I'm doing great. I want you to remind the American people of your background. Your family came, family, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say my family uh, escaped Syria in the uh, mid-60s. I was born a few months after they got here. I served in the Navy 11 years, grew up in Wisconsin, and I uh, was a doc in the Navy. And uh, we'll talk in a bit about the, I even served in Operation Restore Hope in Somalia. And uh, now I've been in private practice uh, in uh, Arizona since uh, 1999. And I was a physician to Congress before that. That was my last billet. Uh, and uh, now, since 9-11, we've formed a foundation to counter political Islam, and uh, I've also now led a uh, reform movement called the Muslim Reform Movement that has brought together many like-minded Muslims in the West. And I want people to know about Muslims who are very comfortable with, uh, with the Western Enlightenment and the United States and uh, who can practice their faith freely and... Uh, who support our country, and yet Zudi Jasser, we watch Omar and Talib and others. These are radical individuals. Well, you tell us, what is your, how do you make this happen? Well, you know, I have to tell you, as much as uh, every tweet that she does uh, reveals her ideology, it's not just about the one tweet. It's her worldview. It's incompatible with Americanism. She is at her core anti-American. So now we're seeing uh, uh, all of the uh, uproar, uh, appropriately, about this tweet where she equated our American troops in Israel with the Taliban, Hamas, and these other terror groups. And uh, a few years ago, she equated our service in Somalia. Uh, She uh, basically chastised Senator Franken for uh, uh, reminding Minnesotans about um, the terror uh, committed against American troops, where 19 died and 73 were injured in 1993, and yet she said, no, the real terrorists at the time were Americans who killed thousands of Somalis, and this is when she was barely 10 years old. So I would ask Americans, you know, she has no business serving on the Foreign Affairs Committee, not just because of a few comments here or there. Her worldview is that America is evil, is that Israel is evil, the West is evil, and that the, the, the righteous ones are the Islamists who believe in an Islamic state. Uh, her resume on foreign policy is the support of BDS, where she believes Israel should economically be put out of existence, where she has uh, uh, flippantly used uh, anti-Semitic canards like uh, Benjamins and other things. And I'll remind you about uh, uh, where she said some people did something on 9-11 or uh, she talks about al-Qaeda and laughs and chuckles under her breath as if she's talking about some conspiracy theory where al-Qaeda doesn't really exist, or when she refers to Iran positively, that their economy should be opened, where basically she gives Venezuelan talking points when interviewing uh, a good friend, uh, Elliot Abrams, that she interviewed uh, uh, last year uh, as part of her role on the Foreign Affairs Committee. So on and on, she not only has no business... She gives our enemies voice in the Foreign Affairs Committee. And what about Talib? I mean, she's every bit the uh, the radical too, don't you think? Same, very similar. Uh, now Talib is is more of sort of this uh, 
sort of uh, you know visceral uh, Palestinian narrative uh, that uh, uh, again is uh, whenever possible fixated on uh, uh, trying to uh, say that it's always America's fault, always Israel's fault. Uh, we see uh, uh, many of the narratives she pushes through are quite radical and. Again, she's quick to uh, uh, stand side by side by folks that have supported Hezbollah, Hamas, and, and others. And by the way, there's what you see with them, and it's part of the so-called squad, but it's this red-green alliance where Klaib and Omar and AOC have, have basically had this convergence of the far left and Islamists that they didn't come up with. We saw with uh, Black Lives Matters. It's avowedly neo-Marxist, anti-capitalist, anti-individualist, anti-democratic, and anti-American. And and for long, when you see the relationship between Venezuela and Iran, that now has come home to roost in Congress with Tlaib and AOC and Ilhan Omar. So this isn't a new relationship. The left, the Red-Green Alliance, has existed to try to put out of existence secular liberal democracy, Western Enlightenment, Western liberalism, and uh, we're just sort of letting it happen and letting them sort of drive uh, policy. And the Biden administration, uh, under the so-called moderate left, has basically given them a green light to not only destroy our economy, but basically destroy our foreign policy. Why do you think that? It, why do you think the Democrat Party has opened its arms to this uh, to this uh, element um, and won't really? denounce it. It denounces it out of one side of its mouth, and it apologizes out of the other side of its mouth. Well, I have to tell you, the, the Democratic Party has, has lost its way as far as seeing what is in American interest. They now uh, have become globalists. Uh, they really don't care about uh, American uh, uh, preeminence economically or, or uh, militarily or in any way. Uh, they basically uh, have uh, uh, said that we are the problem, and the Democrat Party has now basically become all the problems you see at the U.N. have now basically become the Democrat Party in Washington. So uh, they have completely uh, set aside American uh, Americanism as an ideology, which is so important. When people say, you know, what's driving the Democrat Party, their platform shifts from month to month, whatever is expedient. They, they, they're so hypocritical that you can't – it makes your head spin. But the bottom line is, is what's driving them is what can weaken America? What can weaken uh, our success and also the Universal Declaration of Human Rights? They're not really for women's rights and, and uh, the, the human rights that, I mean, you look at Omar and their defense of uh, Iran and others, there's genocide committed against Muslims in, in Syria by Iran or, or against the Uyghurs in China. And they're not saying anything about that because not about human rights. They just want to see the West weakened so that their collectivism and socialism can reign and their climate uh, agenda and other aspects of globalism. You know, I, th- I think people to some degree are perplexed, which is why would Tali's parents want to come to America? Why would um, Omar's family want to come to America, among others? If they hate America, hate America's values, and want to trash America, why come here? You really, you know what I love about you, Mark, is you get to the core of the question, is, is why are they here? Uh, and and my, I can't tell you how many uh, uh, 
family conversations we had. I had grown up with my grandfather and my father and my parents just sitting talking. You know, there's so many examples of this where you find folks that get economically better off here, but yet ideologically they hate this country. And yet the vast majority of Muslims I know, Syrians, Americans I know, Arab Americans, Iranian Americans love this country, and they're not of that fabric. But what happens is the Islamists, who believe in an Islamic Republic of Iran or Pakistan or or Hamas, which is a Muslim, uh, you know, uh, uh, movement, Islamist movement, uh, they come here because of the fact that they divide the world into the land of Islam and the other, the land of war, the land of conflict, whatever you want to call it. This is the way they see the world. So they come here for evangelical reasons, Islamist evangelical reasons. They're coming here to, A, make money that they can't make over there, so part of it's economic, but it's not political. It's actually anti-American. They're coming here because they have an evangelical wish to internally weaken America so that their allies globally can, can win in the U.N. and can win uh, uh, where we have fronts of conflict. Zudi Jasser, a great patriot, president of American Islamic Forum for Democracy. If people want to learn more quickly, where do they go? AIFdemocracy.org, AIFdemocracy.org. AIFdemocracy.org. We'll put that up on Parlor. God bless you, my friend. Take care of yourself. All right. Let us go to John. I don't know where John is. Where are you calling us from, John? Help me, somebody. Yes. John, where are you, John? This is James. All right, James. James, where are you calling from? Oh, I'm calling you from uh, western North Carolina over here in uh, Maggie Valley in Waynesville. I live right on the border. All right, my friend. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It's such an honor to talk to you. You're the first time I've ever called and talked on a radio station in my life. I just wanted to thank you, thank you and praise you for what you are doing for America. I think you're just uh, number one in my book. I call you the great one, too, just like Hannity. I pre-ordered four of your CDs so I could give them away to Holy my friends and family. And because uh, we're listeners, we don't. Have, a lot of us don't have time to read. I drive an eighteen wheeler. Been doing it since nineteen eighty three, and wow. uh, I took a fifteen year break while my parents were bad off, sick, and God rest her soul. Mm. My mother, father passed away during that time, but my mother used to say, "I got to tell you something interesting." My mother used to say, "The more you stir it, the the more you stir it, the stinker it gets," and that's just what the liberals are are doing, Mark. Mm-hmm. They're, they're stirring this racism, and they're stirring this white supremacy. I guess that's what Joe is. He must be the white supremacist, because they're stirring it, brother. I got mm-hmm. pulled over by a DOT today for a random check. We got to chit-chatting about it. I asked him if he listened to you. He says he didn't listen to Mark Levin. He listened to uh, Dan Boncino. I told him, I says, well, you need to listen to Mark. <laughs> He's the one. Well, Dan, Dan is tremendous. Oh, yeah, Dan, he's a great guy, too. Yeah. So anyway, he talk, we got to talking about these children, about this Marxism and stuff, because I was telling him when I was in high school uh, back in 74, when I graduated, 73, 74, they were talking about this Marxism. I says, but, you know, back then, 
uh, we just discerned it. We didn't even think about it because the teacher would talk to us about it, was trying to teach us about it and stuff. Mm -hmm. We says, geez, that's just the stepping stone. That's the socialism stepping stone to communism, you know? Right. He says, yeah, that's the way it was back then with the kids. But today's kids, they're trying to brainwash them and convince them. that. And now they're trying to brainwash them at an age where they can't even debate. They're, they're just now forming uh, thought processes, logic processes, reasoning processes. Listen, I want to thank you, John. I hope you guys all enjoy those audio. I think that's uh, exactly right. That's the way to do it if you're driving a truck. God bless you and take care of yourself, my friend. I appreciate it very much. Let's go to Brent Madison, Wisconsin, XM Satellite. Brent, go right ahead, please. Mark, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, I'll cut right to the chase. Uh, I've I'm an attorney in Wisconsin and uh, own a small law firm, bought all my attorneys or pre-ordered all my attorneys a copy of your book. Can't wow. Read it By the way, I'm not asking for solicitations, but I really appreciate it, our promotion. Thank you. Well, uh, listening to you over the years has inspired me to focus on constitutional law, so I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to reading what you have. Um, I'm calling today because I uh, recently uh, had a court decision. I was a part of a group of attorneys that... Uh, won a state Supreme Court case here in Wisconsin that uh, said a local public health officer could not close the schools in Dane County, Wisconsin, uh, under their emergency authority. And uh, in doing so, I've been contacted by many uh, citizens throughout the state of Wisconsin in support of standing up to their school boards, to their local health officers and everything. And I I just want to thank you for um, starting or vocalizing um, what citizens can do to stand up to their local governing agency. Well, listen, you did this, you and your fellow lawyers. Uh, what's the name, if you're comfortable with it, what's the name of your group? Uh, well, the law firm I own uh, is Levine Eismer LLC, but we also were supported by Will, the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, uh, Troutman Pepper out of Chicago, and, and some other attorneys all came together. It was three three separate cases that were joined as one uh, as an original action to the state Supreme Court. Fantastic. And don't you feel great, by the way? It, it has been wonderful. Uh, even though being in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, I'm not exactly the most liked. Uh, no, you're in a 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 crazy ass area. No question about that. But look, look, you won. You took them on, and you won. And uh, yep, and I'm looking forward to taking them on more. Well, we got a lot more for you, brother. Just hang in there. Trust me on this, thank Brent. You. I want to thank you, man. You take care of yourself. This is great, Troy. Rapid City, South Dakota, XM Satellite. Go, Troy. Hi, Mark. It's more than you said earlier. It's widespread in the cybersecurity world. We get threat intelligence briefings all the time, and some are private, some are from government, but they just ignore the issue. The Antifa left doesn't exist. Everything's racial, white. This is what I don't get. We, as a people, experienced what took place last summer. There were race riots, Marxist riots. There were violent riots. And this attorney general gets up, he doesn't say a word about it. Nothing. 
even if the other's true. He says nothing about this. Now, that, that's absolutely in, incomprehensible, is it not? No, it is. It's word games. They, they just don't exist. It, when we ask them questions and webinars and things like that, oh, 0% of the violence is left. 25% is this obscure term that they obscure the left, and they call it anarcho-socialism. And then 75% of the violence is the right. Well, we've seen it the last couple of years. Well, I, I don't have any problem with them chasing any violent or potentially violent groups, but that's not what they're doing. I don't see them rounding up Antifa members. I don't see them rounding up Black Lives Matter members at all. In fact, I see them hiring radicals in the Department of Justice who do not have an even hand when it comes to... Uh, to justice at all. And I see them wanting to go after the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, due process. I mean, that's what I'm seeing. Now, I'm not going to defend white supremacists, but they will defend Black Lives Matter. Anyway, I want to thank you very much, Troy, for your call. Let's take another one. David Austin, Texas XM Satellite, disagrees with cameras in the classroom. Go right ahead, sir. Disagree, uh, probably the wrong word. It scares me. All right. Uh, uh, I, teach high school world, I teach high school world history. Uh, yeah. Late in the year, we taught, um, we got to World War II late in the year. Um, we're talking about the rise of dictators, Stalin, Hitler, Mussolini, some others. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, I'm saying fascism and communism are basically the same thing. We do research on how these guys came to power, the tactics they used, the things they did, and how they were so similar. You know, and we look, this is communism, Stalin. This is fascism, Mussolini, Nazism, Hitler. They all did the same thing. You know, our parents going to come and say, he's teaching my kid this or that or whatever, and I'm going to get in trouble. Also, let's slow down. Now, they're not exactly the same, but the outcome's the same, isn't it? Genocide. But that, hold on now. But that said, what's wrong with teaching that? I don't believe anybody would have a problem with that. I, I mean, would, um, like, the, that group, what is it, Antifa, stands for anti-fascist. The liberals are saying fascism is the far right. I'm telling them, fasc- I'm telling these kids fascism is the same as communism on the far left. Okay. But you're not indoctrinating them on a racist theory. You're not, you're not trying to indoctrinate them on how to hate America. You're not trying to indoctrinate them on how to protest on certain holidays and so forth. That's what people are talking about. I agree with you. Yes, I'm with you 100% there. The problem is liberal parents going and and putting pressure on on the administrators in the district to get me to teach the way they want. No, that's already happening without the camera in the classroom. The public needs to see what's going on. I'm convinced of this now more than ever, just as we do in many courtrooms, just as we do in, uh, we, we, we ask police to wear uh, cameras now, and in many cases to defend themselves, but so forth. And uh, I don't think this should be excluded. I do think there ought to be parameters. Sounds to me like you're a good teacher, quite frankly. Uh, I try. Well, it sounds like you succeed. All right, my man. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, we've had some excellent callers. Uh, I want to uh, address the FBI Director, Christopher Ray in the next hour, so I hope you'll stick with us. Let us go to uh, Christy, Kenosha, Wisconsin, on the Mark Levin app. Uh, Christy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It's really nice to talk to you. Very well. Thank you. Okay, so the reason I'm calling, um, I'm actually a high school English teacher in Kenosha. Um, you probably remember us. We're the ones where the uh, quote-unquote peaceful protesters burned oh, down I remember. last summer. Yeah. Um, yeah, right, good times. So uh, the reason I'm calling is I was listening with my husband. We're up north and about the body cameras, right, the body cams on teachers. And while I understand that in theory, here's the deal. So I'm a conservative teacher, and this is my 23rd year. I'm talking about a, it's the same thing, a classroom camera. But, yes, the first proposal was a body cam. Go ahead. Sure. Absolutely. So, no, I get, I get what you're putting down. So my thing is, is that this is bigger than that. Um, so if you look back, right, Alinsky, the idea we have to take over schools, right, all of that, that's been happening. This is my 23rd year teaching, and all it's doing is getting worse and worse. And, you know, it used to be that the unions could come in and sort of protect, right, the bad teachers and the teachers who were doing this. It always took, what, Jesus and three of his friends to fire a bad teacher. Mm-hmm. Well, we got rid of the unions, right? We, we, we took away their power, and then we kind of thought that was the end of it. It's not. The unions are doubling down. They're taking over school boards. They're making sure that they're getting into the colleges even heavier and indoctrinating people that are going into the teaching profession. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, while I understand- Slow down a second. This is a very important point. We talk a lot about indoctrination in colleges and universities, and you're correct, but the, one of the top targets is the education department in these universities and colleges, again, which I talk about in the book, because they, and the journalism departments. It's very strategic what's taking place right now. Go ahead. No, you, you bet. I mean, you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. If you're a raging liberal nut bar and you want to spread your word, you're going to go to the people that are talking to other people, right, that are going to talk to the young, impressionable. So, yeah, they're going to get the biggest thing for their buck. Um, and that, that is what's happening. I mean, nobody wants to go into this profession right now, and it's sad. Um, you know, as a, as a teacher myself, it's funny. I have students come to me and say, Ms. Koski, you know, you must be a conservative. And I say, well, why would you say that? And they're like, because you don't indoctrinate us and talk a bunch of liberal crap. So just by default, they tend to know my, my political ideology because I'm not spewing it in the classroom. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, I see more and more kids every year that say they hate America. 
they have a very skewed um, idea of what our history is. Um, and you can only assume that that's coming, you know, from, from one place. Sometimes I tell kids, dude, you guys got to get your money back from your history teacher. That's not mm-hmm. what that's not what happened at all. And um, to try to, you know, but I just I think that people need to understand um, those people that are sitting in their living room saying, what can I do? Politics is local, and people have to start paying attention to school board races. They have to start making sure that level-headed people... And, and, and you have in Virginia, you have a, a, a guy that wants to be governor a second time around, because you only get one term here, one, no, no two consecutive terms, so he sat out the next, and he's running against Terry McAuliffe, you remember, Hillary Clinton's bag man. And he said this whole critical race theory is a right-wing conspiracy theory. So if he's going to treat it like that, you can be sure... That he is going to spread it and enshrine it forever in our classrooms, elementary school, secondary, and high schools, all throughout Virginia, isn't he? Yeah, well, it won't be happening in my classroom, but I understand what you're saying. Well, um, you're one classroom going. against 100. I will. No, I'm pretty tough. Don't underestimate me. But No, no, no. I said you're one classroom against 100. You don't have 100 classrooms, do you? No, but I think that there are a lot more teachers like me um, than people realize, but we tend to be quiet. Um, you know, you don't want to be bullied. You don't want to, you know, be spoken about in the teacher's lounge. So I think there are more and more teachers like me that are starting to come out and say, wait a minute, I don't want to be a part of this. This is, this is not I right. hope so. Teacher. Yeah, I think there are. I think there are. But I think that we need to just remind people that school board races are terribly important because the unions are just taking them over left and right. I think you're quite right. Christy, thank you, and thank you for what you do. We appreciate it. Um, And I think it's important for people to understand this is going to be a a bellwether election for governor in the off-year election in Virginia when the Democrat candidate running has said that this whole thing of critical race theory is nothing more than a right-wing conspiracy theory. That means he has no problem with your children being brainwashed in racism. That your children are either oppressed or oppressors. And so, instead of teaching basic educational material so your kids, as they get older, are able to cope with society, he doesn't have a problem with this Marxist, radical, racist indoctrination taking place in the public schools throughout the state of Virginia. So this will be a bellwether test. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Well, looks like our Sunday show focused on January 6th drew the attention of some Republicans, which I'm pleased to say, who were trying to question the FBI director, who really is a uh, a weirdo, isn't he? 
Strange dude. Representative Jody Heiss asked questions about the individuals who are now being detained. Let's listen to the FBI director. Cut six, go. I'm curious, though, how many of those are in solitary confinement? Congressman, I I thank you for your appreciation for our work. I don't know the number that would be uh, held under those conditions. That's a a decision made by the court uh, in conjunction with the Justice Department prosecutors. Uh, So I'm afraid I don't don't have that number or estimate for you. So you have no idea how many are in solitary confinement. This is something that's being pretty well reported. I would think you would have some degree of knowledge and information. You're saying you don't know. I, I don't. I don't keep up on the the terms of confinement uh, or detention. It, is it, w- would you consider it standard operating procedure f- to hold Americans who have yet to stand trial to be held in solitary confinement? I'm not sure. I could say one way or the other on that. I, certainly, there are plenty of situations where that uh, that occurs. Uh, so it would have to depend on the circumstances of the particular case. This case is nothing. Says absolutely nothing. Cut seven, go. Do the uh, charges, they range from uh, trespassing, disorderly conduct, um, uh, assault, um, insurrection? What are the charges? Uh, There are a variety of charges. I would probably better off to refer you to the Justice Department for the full list, Uh, but certainly they have ranged from uh, assaults on federal officers. Uh, to different kinds of obstruction offenses. We've had some conspiracy charges. Uh, I'm not sure I could give you a, a it, real it, was catalog. It, is, has there been any insurrection charges? Uh, I don't believe so, but again, there have been close to 500 and, cases, and you know, uh, but I don't believe so. Have been, uh, people been held in jail since January, or since their arrest, uh, on trespassing charges or minor charges? Are, still, are they held in jail without due process? I don't believe anybody's been denied due process, sir. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. He doesn't know anything, but he doesn't believe anybody's been denied due process. Isn't that interesting, Mr. Producer? He's not keeping track. You know, there's 500 cases. Well, that's 100 more than we knew before. 500. 500. 500 cases. He doesn't really keep track of who's in solitary confinement, but he knows they've all received due process. I want to thank those two congressmen for pressing. Where's the Washington compost and the New York slimes? They have no problem with this. None whatsoever. No problem at all. Where are the Democrats? The vast majority of them have no problem with this. Where's the Attorney General of the United States? How come he's not being pressed on this? These are American citizens. They have due process rights. And we watch what happens with Antifa. We watch what happens with Black Lives Matter. We watch what happens with your average thug attacking other, other human beings on the street or attacking cops. Yes, human beings in blue. Nobody gives a damn. Yes, right. Well, we're going to circle back to Mr. Terry McAuliffe. He's at an event on June 4th. We have the audio now, thanks to YouTube. And this is where the Democrat Party is headed now. Democrat Party thinks this is all well and good. It's nothing but a right-wing conspiracy theory, and they're going to push it. 
and they're going to push it. They want racism in the classroom. They want your little kids in public school to learn about why they are bad people or why they are victims. And quite frankly, to have teachers teaching this stuff, they're not qualified to teach any of this stuff. This is an indoctrination mill. That's, what's turn, that's what they're turning the schools in Virginia into and many, many, many other states. Here's McAuliffe, caught on tape. Cut eight, go. I was just wondering, like, with all the Republicans are talking about, like, critical race theory, and they're making this huge deal about it, and it's all the conversation in the news of Virginia. Like, what are you going to say to all those people making education about that? Uh, That's another right-wing conspiracy. This is uh, totally made up by Donald Trump and Glenn Youngkin. This is who they are. It's a conspiracy theory. Okay. And uh, you know what people want to know about? Why are we not paying our teachers? Why are we down a thousand We want to know about why we're not paying our teachers. We gave the teachers in Loudoun County a raise last year and they didn't even step into the classroom. Is that what you people want to know? They have sold out completely to these radical Marxist unions. And just remember who they side with. He didn't give a damn if your schools opened or not. Just listen to this. Go ahead. Why? And why are 50% of our schools 50 years old? This is what people want to know about. So let's pay our teachers. Let's get our children access to broadband. Let's make sure we get at-risk children taken care of with pre-K. Those are what the Virginians care about. You weren't asked about that, you jerk, and you know it. And so he doesn't have a problem with it. It's a right-wing conspiracy hatched by Donald Trump and Glenn Youngkin. we got to get this Glenn Youngkin on the program. Again, this is an off-year election. Oh, this is so important. I, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm getting antsy now. This book needs to come out. It needs to come out now. It's going to be four weeks from now, but I'm, very, I'm getting very antsy. I want to go through this with you. I want to counter all this. I knew they were going to try this stuff, and they're going to try other things too. But the Democrat Party is sold out to American Marxism, just so you know. That answer is a, is a very typical response. They have no problem. No problem with it. Because this is an ideology born of Marxism. We'll go through it again in greater detail. And Terry McAuliffe said, that's okay. That's a conspiracy theory. Tell me, parents, is it a conspiracy theory? Or is this guy a fraud? McAuliffe has always been a fraud. He's always been a fake and a fraud. Hillary's side click, kick, or whatever you want to call it. Now we have Joy Reid. Joy Reid is a propagandist and a bigot. And she qualifies for a job at MSLSD. A propagandist and a bigot. You want to debate it? Let's debate it, Joy. Here she goes. And she has Nicole Hannah-Jones on, who is not a historian. She was writing for the New York Times, and she pushed this 1619 project. And she's pushed it into your schools. And the 1619 Project is an offshoot of critical race theory, just so you know. And one Pulitzer Prize winning legitimate historian after another, not right wing, left wing, or any wing, has condemned her phony scholarship. It's all out there for anyone to read. And by the way, I take her on in the book too, and the 1619 Project. I told you, it's a rather comprehensive book. Cut nine, go. 
you're, you're, you're seeing these things enacted at the same time that some of the same voices are attacking Black Lives Matter, which a lot of... You know what's amazing want. about this, Joy Reid? She'll never come on a show like mine. So she talks to herself. She brings on guests who are, who are uh, puppets, basically. She bounces off her own ideology. That's it. That's all she does. Go ahead. People uh, have joined a movement. A lot of young white people have joined, which they're, they're, maybe their parents and grandparents don't like. And when you're also seeing this national security. What? what? You're seeing these things enacted at the same time that some of the same voices are attacking Black Lives Matter, which a lot of young white people have joined. White people have joined. Maybe their parents and grandparents don't like. You're seeing this national security threat of white nationalism. Go ahead. Um, of white nationalism um, that is actually threatening the lives of you know, people in state capitals. You know, we saw a lot of riots in the streets from Black Lives Matter and Antifa and other thugs, uh, which was really threatening the lives of people in the streets, including black lives. Did you miss that, Joy? Where were you? Were you with the other Joy from The View? The two joyless Joys? Go ahead. Uh, what do you make of the fact that they've now merged and fused this idea of critical race theory, which has nothing to do with K-12 through education, with the 1619 Project? They've basically turned the two things into the same thing. It is a way of vilifying your work and dragging your work. Nobody's in- dragging her work into anything. Her work is already there. We don't have to drag it there. And again, I, uh, I unravel this in the book. We'll have time to go over it all, but go ahead. Dangerous narrative. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is the new birtherism. Oh, right? it's the new birtherism, of course. I thought it was a right-wing conspiracy theory. It's the new birtherism, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you know America started in 1619? Well, Nicole Hannah-Jones says so. So everybody else has been wrong. For hundreds of years, everybody's been wrong. The greatest historians of our time have all been wrong. It's 1690 because Nicole Hannah-Jones, who's not a historian, and not even a good writer, in my humble opinion, she says otherwise. So it's the new birtherism. I thought it was white supremacy. I thought it was a right-wing conspiracy theory. Go ahead. This is really trying to take a term. Um, no, most teachers have not heard nor studied critical race theory. All right, theory. no thanks. I don't need to listen to this crap. We don't need to listen to this. But let's, uh, let's see this. All right, that's enough. We'll be right back. Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at AMAC.us. 
That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let me tell you, one of the reasons we can never seem to make progress in going on offense and fighting it back against the opposition is some of our own folks and the arguments they make. A friend of mine, who you would know, he writes me, he says, you know, in totalitarian regimes, they put listening devices in classrooms. Did I say put listening devices in classrooms, Mr. Producer? I said, let's put video cameras. Everybody will know they're there. Furthermore, who runs these classrooms? The government. The bureaucrats. The unions. They know what's going on in the classrooms. It's the rest of us who don't know what's going on in the classrooms. So there's, there's a level of unjustified paranoia. There's justified paranoia. Unjustified paranoia that paralyzes us. So today, the only people who really know what's going on in the classroom are the teacher are the kids, and the administrators. The parents have to work really hard to find out. That is, the government knows what's going on in the classrooms. The government's training the teachers, rating the teachers, authorizing what the teachers can and cannot teach, and the rest of us don't know. So we're not talking about the government putting listening devices in a classroom to find out what's going on. We're talking about a video camera, the kind of video camera you might have in a courtroom, so we can find out. Now, the next argument is, well, the administrators are more likely to keep an eye on those video than the rest of us in order to make sure these teachers are in line. Well, that's our responsibility, isn't it, folks? That's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to be activists. So that's not a justification either, as far as I'm concerned. Right now, it's monopoly control, and we have almost no insight into what's actually occurring in classrooms. Look, we've all been parents. Some of us who, who, who are older, we've been parents. Any of you are parents? This isn't, this isn't an uh, academic, should I say, or an abstract discussion. This is what's taking place. I don't know what they do in totalitarian regimes, but we have kind of a totalitarian public school system right now where everybody has a say, everybody takes our money, except us. Well, you can go to the school board... Often, by the time you get to the school board, it's too late. And many of those hacks don't know what the hell is going on and don't much give a damn. They're just in there, as the prior teacher who called earlier said, at the behest and the direction of the unions. So there's no alternative, in my view. We need transparency in the classroom. Kamala Harris wants to reimagine our economy the way she wants to reimagine police. Again, I touched on this a few months ago when I started to talk about American Marxism. And as I was doing my research, I kept coming across this word, reimagine, 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 that you hear every day, reimagine, reimagine. And it has Marxist roots, believe it or not. Which, again, I point out in American Marxism. And so Kamala Harris, true to form, we must reimagine our economy, ladies and gentlemen. We must reimagine immigration. We must reimagine And one of the people who pushed this the most was a woman you'll learn about. She is since deceased. Iconic in professorial circles as 
uh, one of the lead, quote-unquote, thinkers about how to promote Marxism in, uh, in the classroom. And not just Marxism, but activism based on Marxism. And she was talking all the time about reimagining, reimagining, reimaging, reimaging. So here's Kamala Harris. Cut 12, go. As we begin to emerge from the pandemic, we have the opportunity to take stock of where we've been and where we're going. And so this much is clear. The pandemic exposed the flaws, the fissures, and some of the failures in our economy. No, it didn't. It exposed the flaws, the fissures, and failures in our political system where power-hungry thugs grabbed as much of our liberty as they possibly could. Little third-world dictator types all over the country. It didn't show flaws, fissures, and failures of our economy. My God, the economy kept chugging along. It It was handicapped as a result of what state governments were doing to it. But if anything, it showed how magnificent our economic system is. But let's listen to this. Absolute stupidity and propaganda. Go ahead. It has accelerated, in many ways, the inequities in our economy. Oh, is it selling? Oh, the inequity. I'm sorry. There are inequities in our economy. Here's a quick little life's lesson. Some people work harder than others. Some people study harder than others. Yes, some people are smarter than others. Some people take a wrong path in life. Some people take a good path in life. Some people fail before they succeed. Some people succeed and then they fail. All this crap about inequities. Of course there are inequities. There's 330 million of us. Inequities. What is that supposed to mean? That we're not all robots? That we don't all want and do exactly the same thing? They tried this out, getting rid of inequities. It's called Cambodia and the killing fields. It's called China and the killing fields. And I can go on and on and on. What the hell are these people talking about? Go ahead. When we took office... Ah, shut up, you idiot. The Democrats who voted against you were right. And then she says at the end, I can't stand the voice. Small businesses, of course, are at the center of this reimagining. We must reimagine our economy, ladies and gentlemen, because Kamala Harris, with her great success and her deep experience, wants us to reimagine our economy, to eliminate all the inequities, you see. Reimagine, especially small businesses. Why don't you reimagine? All right, I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us. 
we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Over at Reason.com, the Volo Conspiracy, Ilya Salmon, obviously not a radio listener, more sanctuary states of the right, Conservative states seeking to protect gun rights are copying the tactics used by liberal immigration sanctuaries. He says, in April, I wrote about how the conservative state of Montana enacted a law making itself a gun sanctuary, similar to liberal immigration sanctuary cities and states. I predicted then that other conservative states are likely to adopt the same approach. This is what I can't stand about, about this business. How long ago did I talk about we need a sanctuary movement for the Second Amendment, Mr. Producer? Almost at the beginning of the Sanctuary Cities movement, right? Several years ago. Now you'll get hosts that say, how long have I been on the air? Well, I said that. Folks, I have four years worth of my radio shows on the website. I know it's monotonous. You don't want to check them out. I'm just telling you, if I don't say something then I don't say something. If I do say something, I do say something. I've been pushing this sanctuary Second Amendment issue for years. And I've been pushing now to use the left's tactics against the left now for a long time. And we're going to continue to do it. Because now we're going to learn from them. And now we're going to have to do to them, not violence, but do to them what they've done to our country. That doesn't mean everything that they have spawned, but it means some things, and this is one of them. Sanctuary states for the Second Amendment. So I don't know who this guy is, Ilya Salmon. I guess he's a libertarian. Somebody told me he's a law professor. Well, obviously he's not on top of things, that's for sure. The Volokh conspiracy. But this is something that we've been uh, advocating for a long time here, and something that I think... States should keep pushing. And, uh, you know, you have these liberal activist judges who've ruled in favor of sanctuary cities. Now they can rule in favor of sanctuary cities that support the Second Amendment. That would be very, very important, don't you think, folks? Yeah, I think so, too. Oh, my goodness. No, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. Man, they can't get away from this uh, John Stewart and Stephen Colbert all damn day long, into the night. Oh, this is pretty fun. A montage of uh, Biden had tipped the Bongino report, always saying he's going to get in trouble as a way of avoiding questions. Cut 20, go. Uh... I'm sorry, I'm going to get in trouble with staff. I don't do this the right way. Jennifer Jacobs, Bloomberg. I'm going to get in trouble with my, my staff. Yeah, go ahead. I pretend that you didn't answer you. I'm looking for my mask. I'm in trouble. What do you mean? I'm sorry. I'm going to just last question I'll take. I'm really going to be in trouble. Man, there's so much more of this. And he's making an ass out of himself overseas. But the media pretending, you know, he's Churchill. 
a 10-second delay in an answer. Basically, you said Putin is a murderer. Is he? 10-second delay. 10 seconds is like forever. Getting Libyan, Syria mixed up and all the rest of it. I, I wouldn't mind any of this, of this imbecilicness, but what I mind is him and the policies that he's promoting. He's not there promoting America. You know, one of the reasons all these European states have joined together is because they've become weak. They're impoverishing themselves. They don't control their borders. They are socialists in, economic, uh, in their economic uh, models. They're failing. And so they come together. It's almost like a social club, but they come together to try and uplift each other, both figuratively and actually. We don't need to be part of that. President Trump understood we don't need to be part of that. We don't want to be part of that. We'll take our allies there. Don't get us wrong. But we're not going to jump into the same toilet water that they're in, that they've created for themselves, one socialist regime after another. And even the so-called Tory or conservative elements in Europe, they're socialists for the most part. And so President Trump had clear eyes, and, you know, we're not going to do this. And oh, and America's back. America's back, he says. Which America? South America, Central America, what's he talking about? Poor Joe, I tell you. Did you see Dr. Jill, by the way? Joe was like going to the wrong lunch area. Did you see this on the video, Mr. Producer? She not only grabbed him, she grabbed him, didn't she? It wasn't like a love grab or a smile. She grabbed him like, hey, dummy, I'm sick of grabbing you. She yanked him. Ah, what a lovely couple. What a lovely couple. Couple of coconuts, as they used to say. All right, shall we continue? I think we shall. A group of Republicans, this is from Breitbart, will introduce a censor resolution to condemn and censure the so-called squad for defending foreign terrorist organizations and using rhetoric which contributed to anti-Semitic attacks across the United States. Now, you would think this is not controversial. They're talking, of course, about censoring Omar and AOC and Talib and Presley. But it is controversial because this is the heart and soul of the Democrat Party. And the Republicans, the group is led by Michael Waltz of Florida, good guy. Jim Banks... Indiana, uh, Claudia Tenney, New York, she's great too. Remember they tried to steal the race from her? And the resolution says the squad members have defended foreign terrorist organizations. I didn't hear the Attorney General talk about this. I didn't hear that fake phony fraud, Merrick Garland, talk about this. As the late great Bob Grant would say. The central resolution says the squad members have defended foreign terrorist organizations and inciting anti-Semitic attacks across the United States, and so forth. The group of Republicans wrote in the resolution that Talib has accused the Israeli government of ethnic cleansing and claimed Israel was promoting racism and dehumanization. The resolution mentions Omar calling the Israel military response to Hamas strikes an act of terrorism rather than self-defense. She also accused the United States of backing crimes against humanity. This is why I had Zudi Jasser on. I want you to listen, Mediate. 
you low IQ buffoons. Media Matters, you low IQ buffoons. Paid for and bought for. This is a jihadi wing of the Democrat Party. Most Muslims do not conduct themselves this way. At the same time, Ocasio-Cortez claimed the military response from Israel is inhumane in committing human rights abuses. Presley has equated any support of our democratic ally to supporting oppression, violence, apartheid, and egregious human rights violations. How come they never say this about genocidal uh, uh, Muslim regimes like Syria? Have they said that about Syria? I'm just curious. Iran? Have they said it about Iran? The genocidal Iranian regime? I'm just curious. No, they haven't. Why would they? They agree with those regimes. They like those regimes. What else do we have here? The Hamas wing of the Democrat Party. Want to get in one other thing? Before the program ends. Washington Examiner, the great Paul Bedard, one of the real journalists left. 141 House Republicans challenged the ATF tax registration of AR pistols. I said, what the hell is this now? This is what I think Merrick Garland's laying the foundation for. A majority of House Republicans are vowing to kill a new Biden plan to tax and regulate one of the nation's most popular firearms for target practice and hunting, claiming it discriminates against disabled veterans and would make all owners felons overnight. It discriminates against disabled veterans, Mr. Producer? First of all, objects, inanimate objects don't discriminate against anyone or anything. They're not people. But I guess they're racist. Led by Second Amendment advocate Representative Richard Hudson, 141 Republicans, likely more to come, are targeting a revived rule by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, backed by the Justice Department, to turn AR-style pistols into expensive, hard-to-get guns. In a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland, this guy really is, as I pointed out earlier this week, last week, is a real low life. In a letter to the Attorney General Merrick Garland and Acting ATF Director Marvin Richardson, Hudson wrote, this proposed guidance is alarming and jeopardizes the... You know, when you think about it, We had Charlie Gasparino on here last night telling you what the SEC is going to do to corporations. What the SEC is going to do. Now we have ATF, what they're going to do to gun owners. I mean, we are under attack. Every aspect of this society, every aspect of our liberty, we are under attack. And these are basic liberties. Basic liberties. The right to run a business without being told you must impose a political agenda. And of course it's the radical left Marxist agenda. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Uh-oh, folks. We can use your help here. On Amazon, American Marxism has fallen to number 10 behind. What happens on Tuesdays are a lot of the new books come out with their pre-orders, so they jump higher, which is fine. So we have to claw our way back. And so you see, I'm looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, uh, about... Seven or eight of the top ten are non are, are fiction or kids' books. Uh, but we've dropped the number ten. So if you're going to pre-order, I hope you'll pre-order right away. Uh, get your first edition. Get it on the day that it comes out. And um, you'll get, on Amazon at least, almost 40% off. So you can get your copy of American Marxism. If you have kids that are going to go off to college or high school or just for yourselves or family members or colleagues. I think now's the time. It would be great to jump in both feet and get ready, as we've been talking about. And I say, you know, almost 40% of the book, what, what Amazon's charging is $17.45. The retail price is $28, and I had that lowered uh, by uh, threshold books to begin with. And you can also give it as a Father's Day gift, although you won't have it in hand. You can tell your father or your husband or, or whomever that it's been ordered for them and they'll receive it in a few weeks. So uh, if you jump in now, you'll have many advantages. It's a first edition you'll get. There are going to be repeated uh, printings. First edition is what people prefer. Uh, it'll be almost 40% off, and if the discount goes even lower, you'll get that as that's grandfathered in, and you'll get it on the day of its release. So those are three big reasons, I think, to jump in now and join so many of us who are poised and ready. Your copy of American Marxism. Don't forget the podcast, MarkLevinShow.com. That's the mothership. That's the big website. You go to MarkLevinShow.com, click on Audio Rewind, middle top of the page, it'll take you to the podcast page, and then you pick your podcast platform. And you can listen to the radio show. It's actually streamlined, fewer commercials, anytime you want, wherever you are. So you become your own programmer. If we're ever preempted, you can go to the podcast and listen to the program. And I can't thank you, Patriots, enough. The wonderful callers, listeners. Um, we're going to get through this together. We're going to do things together. We're going to think together. This is a platform that should not be minimized. It's a platform that shouldn't be ignored. It's a platform that needs to be used. And that's the way I've always viewed this. Substantive and mission-oriented. 
And that's where we are, and that's what we are. And we'll continue to be. And all of you who have already pre-ordered your copies of American Marxism, thank you. All of you who are about to, thank you. All of you who will purchase it when it comes out, thank you. But you'll see why, I think, I hope, when you get it in hand. All right, Mr. Producer, to whom shall I speak since the damn call screen zapped away? Comac, New York, Denise on the great WABC, go. Hello, Mr. Levine. Thank, Levine, yes. thank you so much for all that you're doing. Mr. Levin, we listen to you every night. Me, my children, my husband, we are so proud of you, and we're so happy that we have you. Thank you so much for all you do. Wow. Well, thank you Um, and your family. Thank you. God bless you, Mr. Levin. Thank you. We have books. I have books ordered (laughs) for everyone in my family. We have all your books. We're excited for this one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Well, my friend, I want to thank you. Uh... That sounds like my aunt. No, I'm just kidding. You're a sweetheart. I appreciate it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. God bless each and every one of you, and I mean that. And we need each and every one of you. And I will see you tomorrow. Be well. 